This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to your latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast. 48 hours after Liverpool made their five wins out of five with a win at Wembley Stadium. I'm your host Christian Walsh, standing in for Ian Doyle. He is not here once more. However, I have with me our Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, and now with his phone, <laughs> it's James Pierce. Hello, Chris. You okay? I'm not too bad. Probably not as good as you are now that you have restored your phone to the person. I know. What what a weekend. Um, it put a slight downer on that result, I must admit, realising I'd left my phone in the back of a London taxi. At what uh, time? It was about half ten Friday night. You know, I wouldn't. I've just yeah, obviously I've done, I've done all my prep. Thought I'd just nip out for last orders, and um, yeah, stupidly uh, left my phone behind. But yeah, when I put a, an appeal out on Twitter on um, on Saturday evening, coming back on the train, I I knew what I was. Be, I'd be getting fifty messages asking me what what I made of the Suarez quotes, um, <laughs> release Pierce nudes. Um, <laughs> But amidst, thank God for that Pasco yeah, day. <laughs> amidst all the ridiculous comments, unbelievably, that uh, there was a direct message coming back the other way saying, uh, "Yeah, I know Liam Daxi, uh, the taxi driver from South Ockenden, is his number. Give him a bell." And I must admit, I thought it was a wind-up initially, but rang him. It, it was him. Uh, confirmed that his uh, his first customer on the, on Saturday had found it on the on the back seat, uh, and luckily Neil Jones formerly of this parish, was, was down in London for an extra 24 hours and, and the driver dropped it off at Neil yesterday who, who brought it back up to Lime Street for an emotional reunion on Sunday night. So it was a lucky boy. Flashbacks of Jakarta five years ago. <laughs> I didn't lose it then though. That was, The thing just wouldn't turn on in That's Jakarta right, yeah. five years ago. <laughs> but yeah, the, um, yeah. That, but do you know what? I, until you don't have a phone, you don't, don't realise how, how dependent you are. Like all day Saturday, I was like, what's the time? Oh, I haven't, I haven't got a phone. What's this, what's yeah. this on me? What's this on me wrist? Yeah. What's this? What's this meant to do? I was like, oh, I'll have, a, I'll have a bet before kickoff. Oh, I haven't got the app, the apps on my phone. Uh, you know, what, every, everything. Oh, you know, getting a cab back to Houston. It's all right. I'll get an Uber. Oh, I can't get an Uber. I haven't got a phone. How like, did how did we live? How 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 did you listen to the post match Blood Red podcast? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just a logistical nightmare. Um, so yeah, big big up to the cab driver. I know, yeah. Liam, I'm a very honest person. There's good well. folk out there, good to remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reaffirms your, your faith in humanity. Dan Kay has got his phone. I have. It didn't go anywhere, despite the fact that he was in the away end. But yeah, how are you, Dan? All the better for being here and talking about our mighty Reds with you guys. You're not too hungover. I thought it might have been a 48 hour hangover after a win at Wembley. Uh, there was one or two celebrations, uh, but I actually went down Friday night. So um, made, made the most of it there to have safe having to get up at stupid o'clock Saturday morning. But uh, yeah, we've had 48 hours, give or take, to uh, get our heads around what happened and to look forward to another exciting week ahead, hopefully. Hardcore Dan Kay there. So yeah, we, we will go on to Wembley and you know the game in general, James. 2-1 against Tottenham. Pretty much outplayed them from start to finish. It was it was remarkable to watch at times, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe just how straightforward it was. Um, I mean, if obviously hearts were in mouths deep into stoppage time there when when Son shapes the shoot, and you were thinking then that this would be one of the most ridiculous results I think I would have ever seen on the balance of of ninety minutes you've witnessed if Spurs had somehow emerged from that with a, with a point because it was it was complete one way traffic i i could not believe just how one sided the the contest was i think spoke in the pod towards the back end of last week about you know i thought on the back of the international break really difficult game for liverpool and that you know that it was 
you know, I, I think I said you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a two-two, just because I thought you know that would be I thought it would be scrappy, and um, a draw would have been a decent result. But to go down there and outplay them in the way that Liverpool did, um, you know, it, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't like a, a an amazing spectacle in terms of free flowing football because I, th- I didn't think it was ever likely to be with the way that both teams had had, had, had you know such nightmare preparations. Really, with only two full days on the training ground, but Liverpool looked so much sharper and hungrier in all departments. And considering what happened to Liverpool there on their previous visit last October, it made the outcome all the sweeter. The only the only annoying thing was that it did get edgy towards the end because I think 4-1 or 5-1 wouldn't have flattered Liverpool Dan I, I was in the press box as well and it, it struck me in, in general about how quickly the, the pattern of the game was established I mean you in the stand there watching there you must have thought from I mean there's a disallowed goal after a minute after 45 Less seconds minute, yeah. but even the first 5 minutes 10 minutes it, it was so clear that Liverpool were, were a level above Spurs here and that, and that they were, they were going to give them a really hard afternoon. They set this all out really early, didn't they? Stamped their authority all over the game from literally the first couple of passages of play and never really looked like relinquishing that. There was a spell probably in the middle of the half when Spurs came back into it a little bit more, had one or two half opportunities and a bit more a, a bit more play certainly in Liverpool's half and, and final third. But Liverpool just looks all around the more cohesive, coherent, together team. And this obviously is a Tottenham team that have finished above Liverpool, what, I think eight out of the last nine seasons? Yeah. And very much have become, you know, really kind of like a, a yardstick, I suppose, as to as a, a barometer as, as to where Liverpool should be measuring themselves. Like James said, the contrast between the previous season's fixtures, fixture, what, 11 months apart, could not have been more marked. Um, the, only, the only concern was... You know, having seen the, I mean, obviously we were at the other, other way back, and at the time I thought, well, it's a great tackle that's been put in. That penalty in the last minute, Mane's challenge on Son could very, very easily have been given, and it would have been an absolute travesty had Liverpool not come away with three points. So in many ways, that's almost the perfect. In, in some ways, it's the perfect result because it's it it it's, it sets the soul out for this really pivotal, crucial next kind of chunk of games between now and City in, in, in a few weeks' time. It's it's. I always think it's very important as well when you when you're playing first when you're starting the weekend action and obviously it's such a high profile game with us being top having won the first five everyone was watching everyone was thinking well is this Liverpool, is this Liverpool team the real deal and I think there was very very hard to say that on what we've seen so far not just in the first five games particularly in the 90 on Saturday that this Liverpool team is not going anywhere anytime soon and really kind of has their eyes on the prize with that kind of slight caveat that they've got to be more clinical in front of goal because next time they might not be so lucky. It is strange that it's almost the, the, the complaints, if you will, of last season have uh, uh, returned. You know, certainly the first, start of the first half of the season where Liverpool were creating chances but not necessarily converting them. You know, Mohamed Salah in particular. You know, Andrew Beasley does his weekly stats column for us and, you know, he unearthed that. Ten shots on target for Liverpool... There was a fair few decent efforts, you know, and not they weren't just pot shots from twenty five yards. There were some really good shots on target, and ultimately, no Pochettino sides ever conceded that at home, um, you know, albeit a temporary home. Uh, and very only their third defeat there, I think, wasn't it? Only their third yeah. defeat, and, and very rarely does a Mauricio Pochettino Spurs side concede ten shots in a game at all, ten shots on target in a game at all. So Liverpool are creating these good chances, and you know the. They're not putting them away necessarily, but James, having 
seen what happened last season when they did click eventually, especially the front three in terms of finishing ability, is that all the more salivating? Because you know that the potential is there and then if they create the chances eventually, they're gonna they're gonna hammer someone by six, seven, dare I say, eight goals. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. I think um in you know, certainly in those opening months of last season, it, there were so many massively frustrating games where Liverpool drop points they they shouldn't have done because they weren't ruthless enough. I think the the big thing now is that Liverpool don't need to score three or four to to win games because they're such a a different beast now defensively. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm sure we'll come on to Van Dyke, but I thought he was immense again on the weekend. And I've I've never seen Harry Kane have such a quiet game. I you know I've sat next to Ian Doyle at the game and to be honest, I think Kane got got on the ball about I think it was about two minutes to go and I'd, I'd, I'd forgotten he was even playing you know he was for someone who is so integral to the way that Tottenham play for Liverpool to just keep him under wraps to that to that degree um yeah I mean it was frustrating in a way the fact that Liverpool didn't kill Spurs off um but you're right I think that's part of the excitement is the fact that this team is nowhere near its full potential yet you know you think of Mohamed Salah I thought was was one of Liverpool's probably worst performers on the weekend in terms of, you know, he, he didn't look after the ball particularly well. He had his pocket picked a few times. Um, you know, he had that one decent effort where he cut in onto his left foot. Um, but he, he wasn't anywhere near as influential as, as we know he can be. But, you know, what that, that's, that's a massive positive. The fact that, you know, it'd be easy, you know, last season Liverpool were accused at times of being too reliant on him and his goals. And, and now they're able to go to one of the hardest places in the country and win w- without him making much of a of a contribution. Um, you know, same with Sadio Mane. I mean, he's at, he's had a strange start to the season, Mane, because obviously you know he scored scored some really important goals. Um, but again, some of his decision making on the weekend was 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 crazy at times. Um, and you know, he he should really have added to to his account. Um, you know, I thought Firmino was by far and away the pick of the front three before. He was forced off with that worrying eye injury. Um, yeah, when you think of the travelling he'd done uh, in the international break, that was a remarkable effort from him. Um, you know, obviously had benefited a bit from not having to play that second game with Brazil, but uh, he he was everywhere. You know, he he made life an absolute misery for Alderweireld and and, and Vertonghen, uh, dropping off into space and linking play intelligently. Um, but yeah, the the fact that that front three haven't clicked anywhere near to the level we know they can do. That that makes that makes the fact that Liverpool have got fifteen points out of fifteen all the all the more uh, remarkable. Is that a sign of genuine title contenders there, Dan? In terms of when you watch Liverpool play now, it's not relying on an individual moment of brilliance. It's not relying on a certain aspect of the team gelling. It is very much just you know I I don't I don't think there was really a, a nine out of ten performance, for example, no. against Tottenham. I thought there was a few eights and there was a fair few sevens, a couple of sixes maybe, but. I think in general, it was it was just a good team performance, a team that is obviously in sync with itself and one another, and they know exactly what they want to do and how they're going to go about it. I think that's one of the most encouraging things about the start of the season. You can look at all five games now and say they haven't really ripped up that many trees. They haven't really, in any of them, I, I, you know, played in a way that you could describe as like firing on all cylinders. There's clearly an awful lot more to come from virtually every single aspect of that team. But the really encouraging thing is they just look so much more competent 
in virtually every aspect of the game now. They're better than a lot of the opposition in what they're in, in who they're facing in in a lot of those aspects. And it it's really if I if I would if I was in the camp of Liverpool Liverpool's title rivals, I'd be looking across with a, some degree of trepidation because you must look at them and think, well, they haven't really kind of got going yet, and they're already beating decent teams, putting goals on the board. We've only conceded two soft goals one obviously from, from a really really daft mistake and there's there's clearly a few elements of the team that are still kind of really kind of yet to start working properly the, the front three primarily I mean the, the James touched upon Mo Salah's performance and he was still he's always a threat and that at the last 10-15 minutes you could tell he really really wanted to someone, get a goal someone flicked the switch on Salah it was, it was yeah. almost <laughs> he, he, he was he was reminded of, of, of exactly what type yet. of player yeah, exactly yeah what type of player he was he was absolutely destroying them towards the last 15 I mean there was just a couple of times when you know he, he really should have got his head up and passed a couple of times it seems to be he's, he's something's not quite right with him at the moment now and I must be honest I did kind of expect this partly because of the fact that a what he did last season was a season for the ages and how do you follow that but also it, it was traumatic what happened what happened to him you know of you know in Kiev and obviously in the World Cup he might never get to we all hope he will but there's no guarantee he'll ever play in a European Cup final or another uh, World Cup finals obviously there's also been the issues going on that he's had in Egypt with the Egyptian FA and whatever, and he just looks a little bit out of sorts. I noticed. I mean, I've, I've watched the full game back yesterday, and I've um, I noticed a couple of times when I think a couple of times first half the moves moves were breaking down. There were a couple of arms getting thrown in the air, which isn't necessarily what you what you want to see. That being said, the second goal, which obviously Bobby Firmino bashed them from virtually on the goal line, Salah was pretty much closest to him. And when the goal went in, he was up in the air. There was no kind of Cristiano Ronaldo. I've not scored, so I'm not celebrating. So I'm not saying he's you know he's all about himself, but he just he's just not quite himself at the moment. But hopefully, we're not far away from seeing the real Mo that we all know and love. I mean, one thing we can dismiss, I think, James, is those very strange rumblings on social media that were <laughs> that were doing the rounds on a Saturday and Sunday that there's some sort of feud between yes. Salah and Mane. I mean, this is just. Ridiculous, isn't it? The, the the close friends off the pitch, uh, the very close friends on the pitch as well. Okay, Mane didn't necessarily pass the Salah a couple of times when he should have done, but you know, it's 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 just one of those ridiculous suggestions. Yeah, I think things are going so well at the moment that the the doom and gloom merchants are having to look very deep for something Worry, to, to for something <laughs> to uh, something negative to cling to. I think uh, obviously that FSG out have, have gone a bit quiet. You know. They're, the nothing for the net, the net spend boys have got nothing to to bang on about. So, I think yeah, people will will latch on to certain things. I'm not I'm not having that. There's issues yeah. there between Salah and Mane. I think anyone who's spoken to the two of them will know you couldn't beat two humble and grounded individuals. Um, I know there was you know probably this time last year there was talk then wasn't there about how Admani had his nose put out of joint because he was no longer the main man and and Salah had come and taken his crown and you know I think Mane went, went on the record and said you know how ridiculous it was and that he was you know so pleased for for Salah when he was scoring goals and it didn't matter to him who got the goals as long as Liverpool won games and yeah I think you could you could quibble about some of Sadio Mane's decision making at times you know there was that one on the weekend obviously when you know, he had Salah screaming for it to his right Kaita to his left and he delayed it and delayed it and, and in the end didn't really do Kaita too many favours and Vorm ended up pulling off a decent save um, and Klopp you could was apt going absolutely ballistic on the on the touchline that they didn't make that chance count but no there's I don't believe there's any any issues or anything to be concerned about I think it's a very 
unified dressing room um you know that spirit and togetherness was evident more than ever en route to to Kiev last season and I've certainly got no reason to believe that, that that's that's changed in any in any way since then so just look at the goals uh, very quickly and, and who scored them in particular and you know, Gini Wijnaldum's been a man transformed in this number six role, but I'd like to pick up on the fact that it was another big goal. You know, he scored against Manchester City at home in that New Year's Eve game. He scored against Arsenal at home in it, which was being billed as a Champions League decider of sorts. You know, early early days, but that was back in February. Uh, he's also scored in Rome a very similar goal to the one he scored similar, against yeah. uh, against Tottenham. I think maybe it's it's just me in terms of, but it seems every season there's been a surprise from Klopp where he's he's done something that has just clearly worked from the get go. I'm thinking Firmino going as a, a number nine, false nine, however you want to call it, in his first season. Then Milner as a left back, yeah. and then I'd almost argue maybe just saying to Trent and Gomez, look, I'm backing you two. You go and you you have that right back spot. Also as well, moving Milner back into midfield in a way. Wijnaldum, it feels like this is the, the next step in terms of he's, he's turned Wijnaldum now into this whole midfielder who, who also scores big goals. He's such a versatile player, isn't he, Wijnaldum? I mean, when we, Liverpool first signed him, I wasn't entirely sure what he did or what we would get from him, apart from having a perception from him, well, memory of scoring you know, a, a goal for Newcastle against us that, that clinched the defeat up there in one of Klopp's, one of Klopp's first matches, first couple of months. But... Um, from that first season, I always liked... He seemed to me a, a very good all-round. They had a lot of... He wouldn't necessarily outstanding in any single one element of his game, but he was highly competent in a lot of them. He's a terrific athlete, good physical specimen. There was always this, the the kind of the accusation levelled at him, though, that he kind of he disappears a little bit away from home. And obviously, yeah, there were examples. I mean, I can't remember as well. He's a young player. And the expectation level of playing for a team like Liverpool is obviously drastically different from what it is for playing for Newcastle. So I think there was a certain amount of learning on the job to do there. But he really seems to have... I mean, I think with obviously the buys Liverpool made in the summer, particularly in the midfield area, I think one or two people were looking at it thinking, well, in fact, I think there was even the odd whisper in the summer that what he may even be off when Alderman. I, mean, I, w- I would have been very disappointed to see that and I'm really pleased that we've kept hold of him. I mean, Liverpool played five games now and largely it has been the same... Players that have played by you know by and large, Jurgen Klopp though has been very clear that really this is where the season starts. We are now from tomorrow in this period where Liverpool will be playing two matches a week, pretty much till Christmas. Hopefully, obviously, if if, if they can if they continue to progress in the, in the cup competitions, and so we are going to see, I think, the full depth and breadth of the squad used. So, but I think Genie Wijnaldum has definitely given. Uh, some food for thought to those that kind of thought, well, maybe it's kind of time the horse coming towards coming to an end. It's all going to be about Fabinho and Keiter and Henderson. There's massive competition for places in virtually every area of the field, and that can only be a good thing for Liverpool. I mean, we talked about the midfield in depth before this game, but I, I mean, where does where where does it all fit in now? Because you've he's essentially got Wayne Aldam, who's doing a, a sterling job as a number six. He's got Fabinho, who cost £40 million as a number six. Hasn't kicked a ball yet. <laughs> and he's also got the club captain, Jordan Henderson, who's also a number six. I mean, could he feasibly have three number sixes, or is he going to have to maybe adapt somebody's role? Are we going to have to maybe see Henderson become a little bit more advanced again, or is, is that maybe what he's planning for Fabinho? How How's this going to work, Jay? He's just got great options, hasn't he? For When you think of the schedule that Liverpool have got in the next three weeks, especially, I think... 
You mentioned those three players. Then, well, of course, yeah, Henderson can certainly operate further forward. When Alden, you know, he, he, down at Leicester, obviously with Henderson coming back into the team, when Alden was released further forward, um, so that's that's not an issue for him. You know, he, he's such a versatile player. Um, it'll be fascinating to see what he does do for for PSG on Tuesday night because I, I think he will. Yeah, I I think he probably will find room for Henderson. I think um, you know he he spoke before the game, didn't he? About he, he just, I think he mentioned about. Henderson's you know physical fitness you know we need him at absolutely 100% of course he played he played twice for England during the break so I think you know that probably influenced Klopp's final decision making on the three that he went with down at Wembley um but it will be interesting to see who makes way because it's um I I mean when Alden, well I thought when Alden was Liverpool's best player at Wembley and I go along with that. I don't, you know, he grew into it. I think he was quite quiet first 20 I remember a couple of the same. I just think he's just, yeah, just goes about his business, uses the ball really intelligently, uses his body strength brilliantly yeah, as well. The great way that, shield you know, there, the yeah, ball, isn't he? There was one when he, you know, kind of, you know, got his body between the ball and Dembele, I think it was, and, and kind of shrugged him off, which, which takes some doing. Um, so yeah, you know you want, and then you think to yourself, well, you can't leave out Wijnaldum. So then, do you, do you potentially maybe leave out Milner? But then, in the back of your mind, you're thinking <laughs> we're talking about a fella that, that broke again, Neymar's assist record in the Champions League last season. Um, so, and you know, I'd, I'd say probably out of the three on the weekend, Kaita was probably the the quiet, the quietest of the three. Um, so again, you know, you, does does is does the fifty two million pound summer signing miss out? Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people suggest that this is the game that Fabino comes in, but I'd be amazed if if Klopp threw Fabino into into a game of this magnitude just because he's played so little football. Um, you know, yes, of course he knows PSG so well. He'll know their threats and everything from playing against them. But you know that that would concern me if this was suddenly him in for his full debut, just because I think he's massively undercooked. We should say that we've recorded this before Jürgen Klopp's press conference when he does announce that Fabinho will be A start <laughs> and B handed the armband. <laughs> so so there's Ryan Alderman. He's sort of I don't really know me, my science and me my, my biology, but he's sort of become a a slot of the of the spine, of, I suppose you could call it. Um, you know, one of those little bones that protrudes. Yeah, he's sort spare. of is that what it is? Is it spare? I don't know. But he's, be, <laughs> he's become part of the spine, hasn't he? Yeah. Doctor Walsh is saying that he's become part of the spine, and then at the top of that spine is uh, Roberto Firmino. He obviously got the second goal. I'd love to see what the XG was on that shot. You know, everybody <laughs> talks about expected goals. I would expect to score that one, but it was it was a good. It, you know, it was the real. It was a real moment of quality and and a moment and where they finally made a pay. You know, that it, what what Liverpool are about more than anything I think is is creating clear cut chances. Mm. You can't get any clearer than that really. Um it was it was a good team move, wasn't it? And it, it just shows you that moment of quality and, and, and you you're in trouble against them. It was it it was a fantastic goal. I mean it might have looked a little bit scruffy the actual f- final stages of it but the way it was crafted and honed really kind of summed up a lot about this Liverpool side that we you know, they kept possess- kept possession well and then a lovely little spin from Sadio Mane from the you know, the left flank position Andy Robertson beautiful little ball over the top in behind and Mane's pace commit, committing defenders to the byline like that reminds me a little bit of Luis Suarez at times um, he was always an absolute nightmare for defenders not he was I think one of his, possibly his second goal for Liverpool away to Sunderland it's that he, stop start isn't it that little shuffle and he just slows the ball down gets it you know, yeah. and he's gone 
And and you know when when you've got the kind of explosive pace that he has, that kind of slowing a defender up, the change of pace, it must make it so so difficult to to, to play against. And I mean, <laughs> with Mane and Salah, um, a lot of the time they get into these wonderful positions in inside the six yard box on the byline. Sometimes the final ball wasn't quite there, but it was a really dangerous ball in, which I think was knocked against his own post by the Tottenham defender, kind of skewed through the 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 arms of the hapless Vaughan. And Bobby on the line, Johnny on the spot, couldn't miss. But it was possibly the, the easiest goal he'll ever score for Liverpool. But it's, like, I totally agree with James. He was by, he was Liverpool's best attacker on the day. But even when he's... even when he, And he maybe looked a touch leggy in the first couple of games, even though he hadn't played an awful lot in the World Cup. But many, many moons ago, I described him as Liverpool's straw that stirs the drink. He, he, to me, he's, he's, he's in spite of what Salah's done, he is Liverpool's most important player. He's so smooth in possession. I, you know the the way he brings other people into play. He, he seems to just glide past people, and for me, he's an absolute joy to watch. I'm I'm pleased that he's got, well, got a bit, bit of mix on it with him. Pleased he's starting to get, in a general sense, the kind of uh, plaudits that his his efforts and his abilities deserve. At the same time, I kind of quite like the fact that for a long time he's always been Liverpool's best kept secrets. And you know, obviously, I did see a tweet from somebody. Over the weekend, go and I hope I hope Bobby hasn't become Momo's because um, it looks a pretty nasty injury that happened to him. We've all seen. I think there's still images of was it, it was it the Tongan, the Tongan, was it? Yeah. The Tongan's finger literally sticking into his eye. Um, I mean, it, the the news came out Saturday evening. It, it's an abrasion to the eyeball, so hopefully it's nothing too drastic. Certainly in a physical sense, but you've got to kind of think psychologically that must kind of shake shake anyone a little bit. I mean, I, I wear contact lenses and ju- just about got used to, after 15 odd years, put my finger in my eye, but a lot of people get very squeamish about that. I can't, I, I couldn't Ugh. watch you touch your eyeball, Dan. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, so even just watching it back, see the pictures. Oh, there's still pictures. It's, it's, it's awful. I mean, it's, we hope, I mean, I suppose we will move on to PSG in general in a little bit, but I mean, I think Liverpool probably dropped off a level when when he went off. I think it was noticeable, really. I, obviously, there was a quick reshuffle required because Henderson was going to come on for, right. for Keita, so he had to sort of change the system a little bit. But, I mean, James, he, he is... The, the straw, that's... What is it? The straw that stirs the drink. Yeah. It was said about someone else ages ago. I heard it in a movie, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He's the, the Godfather, ma- something he, like that. He's the man that makes things happen. He's, 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 he does a lot of the unsung, untold work that basically enables everybody else to shine. Mm. And I just think he's he's one of the most intelligent footballers I've ever seen in Liverpool shirt. I've been going a long time. I love the bones of him. He's a massive straw for Liverpool, isn't he? He is. He stirs everything. <laughs> Any more than that? Or... No, that's <laughs> no, it. No. Nailed it there, really. But he is important, isn't he? I mean... We just have to hope he's fit for PSG because, yeah, you know, so, I mean, Sturridge did okay when he came on, and there's other options as well. But uh, he's, yeah, he's there's no, there, there isn't another Roberto Firmino. I don't think you know, not just in the Liverpool squad, but anywhere. anywhere. I think you know, it's it was kind of been spoken about before in terms of you know, do Liverpool did Liverpool need to go and get another striker in the summer or something? But I think he's just so integral to the way that Klopp wants wants Liverpool to play. I think you know, last season Klopp coined him the engine of the team and and you know I think that's paraphrasing me there yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably a better analogy than than, than stirring drinks but you know, each each to his own um but um no if it, I, I think the issue when he went off on the weekend was Liverpool did just invite Tottenham on a little bit I think Keita seemed to get pushed further forward didn't he but mm. it didn't really seem to to work and yeah 
suddenly you had Firmino who had occupied defenders and dragged them out of position and and really been a focal point and then Liverpool just just didn't have that um so I don't know if you know if if it's deemed too much of a risk to play him against PSG then you know you'd imagine Sturridge would get his chance and you know it's amazing to think Daniel Sturridge has never started a Champions League game for Liverpool which Same. when you think you know the when you think of these what has he been at the club five and a half years um you know, it's, it's just a crazy, crazy statistic because, of course, you know, he missed I think, virtually the entire campaign in 2014-15 due to injury. And then last season was obviously on the on the periphery. And then you, know, you back end of last season, you, you know, like most people, assumed that his Liverpool career was coming to an end. Um, you know, he absolutely worked his socks off over the summer to, to force his way back into Klopp's plans. So... Hopefully, you know, if if Firmino isn't ready, then um, then Sturridge will, will grasp his chance because um, you know he's he's had to wait patiently for the first month of the season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So we're talking about the spine, then. So we've got Wan Aldum in there. I think it's fair to say Cater's in there. Um, and also Firmino with the tip. Just a quick word, Dan, on Van Dijk. I, I mean, and to a degree Gomez, but I, yeah. I, you know, I think Gomez probably did a couple more eye-catching things. I think the the challenge on Lucas Moura in the second oh, half was man balled a lot. Of terrific, <laughs> unbelievable in the speed because Lucas Moura is yeah, one rapid. quick, quick player. But Van Dijk, I think it's becoming the, the situation now. Like good midfielders, you don't notice them when because they're that good. And I think that's what's happening with Van Dijk. You just automatically assume. Yeah, he's heading that away. That doesn't matter. He's 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 got this under control. It's 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 remarkable to watch. He's just imperious, isn't he? I mean, the deal the, the Bill Shankly's all saying about Ron Yates being a colossus, come and take a walk around him. Very much applies every time you see him. I said you need the Uber now. <laughs> every not, a, not, not, not a London prices, mind you. Oh, I'd rather walk. I think. Um, I, I, I read a brilliant description. I think it might have been Barney Roney in the, in the Observer. Yes, they d- described him as. Um, the, it, it felt like every time he was on the ball, he was the game's designated grown-up. Yeah, which, like which, which, which was a terrific way of phrasing it. <laughs> a, a terrific way of putting it, putting it. I thought his influence on this Liverpool team since he since he arrived just before New Year has been seismic, hasn't it? it? It's you know the ripple effects, not just of what he's done himself. But he's had the odd you know moments here and there. He wasn't brilliant at Leicester. Um, he's had the you know West Brom with the cup and whatever. But the general sense of assuredness and authority that he brings to those alongside him, but just to, to every every other part of the team as well. The midfielders, the attackers, they know that when they lose the ball, their hearts aren't aren't going to be in their mouth as much as they were say a couple of years ago when Liverpool's defence was a lot more fragile and vulnerable. Um, now, you know, with Liverpool are playing high-stakes football at the top end of the Premier League and the top end of the Champions League. They're going to be playing some world-class opponents and there are going to be occasions over the course of the season when we get opened up, carved apart and can see goals and who knows, maybe even lose a match or two. But what really heartens me about everything at the moment is there's this sense of real togetherness and belief through them that we can cope with, by and large, anything that anyone's going to throw at us. And we might get knocked on our asses once or twice, but we'll get up and we're more than capable of doing to use what you have done to us. And Van Dyke is integral to that. Um, he might not be wearing the armband. You know, I, I personally have a lot of time with Jordan Henderson and some Liverpool fans don't. But Van Dyke is a leader, is a captain. And you know, however many times he wears the armband, is kind of a, a minor detail, really. He's, 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 a, he's a giant of a man. And I'm made up that he's wearing the red. 
Just a very quick word as well, James, on something I, I uncovered. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's uncovered it. I'm not, not claiming uh, exclusivity to this, but I was thinking about Alisson's performance and how, you know, there was a couple of free kicks there where he held them and, you know, where maybe on another day with another goalkeeper it might have spilt out to somebody. But I was just looking at... I noticed the, the way he was using the ball. I feel, thought he went long a little bit, uh, more often than we've seen. He took fewer touches. So I just had a little look at his, his pass distribution um, over the first five games of Liverpool's season so far. Against West Ham opening day, 93% pass success. Uh, Palace, 91. Brighton, 81. Leicester, 75. And now Tottenham, 68. So he's the, the accuracy has been getting progressively worse as the season's gone on. I'm not saying it's a concern, but is this a sign that Alisson is learning to adapt to different types of games and yeah. you know, Tottenham press high? Is that actually a good sign? Because it just shows that he, he knows when to hit, kick it and he's known when to, to take the extra touches. Yeah, I, I'd be interested to know how many times he did, he did go long on, on the weekend and where he actually put a lot of those clearances. It, it did seem that you know he'd clearly been told you don't mess about with it down here you know in a in a game in a game like this where you are going to be put under pressure at times um because every time liverpool went back to him it did seem to be a touch to control and then get rid there was there was no no dribbling no uh, no taking anyone on um which to be honest, i think was a was a it was a, a smart move yeah, and, you yeah, know, it was um but yeah you could you could see you know probably partly due to what, what he's been told during conversations with Klopp and John Akterberg, but I think also probably a little bit psychological as well in terms of what ap- what happened to him down at Leicester and, and not wanting to, to find himself in a, in a situation like that again. So, um, so yeah, I think you know, clearly he's still a- adjusting to his, his new surroundings, but um, yeah, I thought, I thought he did. I thought he was fair play to him. You could see that, you know, he, there was no, when the balls came into the box again, very commanding, held on to everything. You know, the, the um, you know he'll be upset about the, the the late goal, which you know Liverpool defended magnificently again as a unit. It was just a just a crazy lapse in concentration. When when you watch it again, it's just absolutely like mind boggling that Lamella is just stood there unmarked at the back post. And you, I watched it back again yesterday, and you think he will. Someone's obviously going to pick him up. I think it was Sturridge back there in the he end. He got closest. Graham Sooners thought maybe. Oh, he had to get Yeah, closer. yeah. He turned yeah. his back, didn't he? Sturridge mm-hmm. as well, and he was still about two or three yards away from him when he turned his back. I mean, for him to be able to control the ball at the back post like that, and then it, the ball Hit to drop it, didn't he? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was you know, because it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Quite rightly, there hasn't been much focus on it, but that was a a really sloppy goal to give away, which you know will have annoyed. The back four and annoyed Allison as well because um, you know, I don't think Liverpool had actually kept a clean sheet away to a top six rival since Klopp's first game three years ago and at Tottenham. Yeah, and, when, and you know and they should they should really have, have have walked away with a clean sheet on Saturday. That line went out your match report quickly, didn't it? Oh, yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the only reason yeah. you know it. <laughs> Thinking on your feet. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, we'll, we'll put a bow on um, on Tottenham and what we'll do is look towards PSG and also just in general you know the next six games uh, coming up but you know first of all Saturday afternoon go to Wembley win against Tottenham Dan 72 hours later PSG at Anfield I mean it's it's some turnaround it is and I don't think really we could ask for a, a, a better really or a more mouth-watering return to the European Cup after what happened in May in Kiev um, I mean I think everybody would always uh, Liverpool 
supporters adore the European Cup. In many ways, it kind of defines a lot of our identity, doesn't it? Um, and I think everyone would have been up for it anyway, but it kind of feels quite fitting that, you know, PSG have this kind of feeling about them as the, you know, the nouveau riche, the new kids on the block with all their Arab money, Liverpool are the old empire, still looking to prove that we can still punch our weight at the highest level. And um, it's an absolutely mouth-watering prospect. With, you know, got, they'll have a couple of World Cup winners in the ranks. You know, obviously, Mbappe, and I'm sure they've got one or two of the other French lads in there. Cavani, Neymar, who had a few things to say about the Reds, I think, was it last week or the week before? And our it was. He doesn't think he'll finish top four. He's entitled to his opinion, isn't he? I don't think anyone's going to be really that bothered about what he thinks come uh, 8 o'clock uh, tomorrow night. And... I just think it's going to be a, a you know there's something about these kind of early and late season games when it when it kicks off just with a little bit of daylight still there in the gloaming as the, the floodlights are coming on and and I think Anfield will be absolutely jumping Liverpool have won five on the bounce going into it in rude health and um, you know PSV obviously you know probably the last three four five years now people have been saying is this the year that they really kind of start to break through into the European stage, they will come to Anfield very much looking to make a statement, saying this. You know, they've got a new manager, Thomas Tuchel, who obviously probably doesn't have the happiest memories of Anfield. Last time he was there was with, with Borussia Dortmund in that epic 4-3, Lovren-inspired comeback a few years ago. And I believe it's the same ref, isn't it? It yep. is the same ref. Yeah, which is a nice little quirk of fate. So Paris will be bang up for it. I think it's probably the plum tie in Europe tomorrow night. Everyone will be watching, and I cannot wait. I think it's the plum tie of the, the whole group stage, to be honest. I think yeah. this is, you know, they're, they're, getting, they're shooting the load early, to be honest, because it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, the, the the inclination is to say, James, that oh, this is a really hard tie for Liverpool, but this is a really hard tie for Paris Saint-Germain as well, isn't <laughs> it? Yeah. You know, I mean, let's all, let's, we can focus on PSG and, and what they can do, but Liverpool are Champions League finalists. Yeah, I think if, if if this had been Liverpool's first game in the group a year ago, you'd have probably been sat here going, oh my God, you know, can you, this, this, how will Liverpool possibly cope with, with, with this kind of company? Big focus on Neymar, Cavani, Mbappe. Um, and and wonder whether there might be a slight sense of of trepidation in the in the dressing room at going toe to toe with such a star studded team. But when you, when you've had the journey that Liverpool had last season that exceeded all expectations, you know they've they you know when you win home and away against Manchester City, who were the the bookies' favourites to win the Champions League last season, and then get past Roma in the way they did and outplay Real Madrid for half an hour of that final before Mo Salah went off. Um, yeah, the, I, I, you know, the, the 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 emotion is one of excitement more than anything else. This is what you want, I think. Of course, Liverpool could have got an easier group, um, but you know, you for for so many years we were kind of like sat on the sofa watching games like this, going, oh, you know, waiting for Thursday nights to come around and playing young boys a burn or whatever, and uh, and you know, this is this is this is where you want to be testing yourself against the absolute best. Liverpool proved last season they're they're one one of the best teams in Europe. Um, I think the the Champions League brought out the best in Klopp's team last season. It certainly brings the best out of the supporters. We know what Anfield is like on a European night. Um, yeah, just I can't wait for it because you know, the, you know these. Uh, it's just a, a very very special game. In a weird way as well, Dan, is it the perfect tie? Because if Liverpool win, that's three points out of three, obviously. But let's say, and it never, ever works out like this, I know. But let's say Liverpool win all the home games then. And he also beat Belgrade away. So that's 12 points, points and, and the through. Boxed, you know, yeah. So basically, and that's without taking into account Napoli or PSG away. If they lose, then or draw, for example, then 
it's a blow, yes. It's not it's not the, the start that they would have wanted. But at the same time, there's still five games to to eradicate that, especially those two in the middle with Belgrade. Um, they've also got to go to PSG, and I think Liverpool are as capable of winning at Anfield against PSG as they are away. Mm. Um, so is it one of those where a win... This is a win doesn't qualify them, but a win puts them in a very, very healthy position. A defeat is by no means terminal. Yeah, I think the nature of the group means that kind of I'll be surprised if it's one of these groups that's all done and dusted by the end of match day four. Um, you know, if, if you could look at it on the face of it and look like Belgrade looks to be the weakest team, the whipping boys, but you never quite know how the European Cups they'll be up for it. Good. Oh, no very end much as so. well. You know, yeah. Um, I, th- I think for, for me, the key thing is, I mean, there was a lot of talk last week, wasn't there, on the back of Gary Neville's comments that, you know, the, the Premier League of the Champions League, should be should Liverpool be prioritising? If Liverpool had the same, without wishing to disrespect any opposition around Europe, you know, a home tie or even a way tie against, you know, a, a, a not a particularly enticing, appetising opponent, I don't know, PSV, I know, whoever. Would, you know, on the back of all the glamour and the glory of last spring and obviously the great start to the season we've had, would it have felt like a little bit like a damp squid? Here we go back into the Champions League, going through the motions a little bit, we're, all, we're just waiting for the knockouts again. There might have been a slight element of that. The fact that it's Paris, the fact that Liverpool have never played them in the Champions League, have only played them once in European competition 21 years ago in the Cup Winners' Cup, does give it that kind of that, that, that freshness, that newness, that kind of real appetising element to the fact that it, it's you know it, it, it's it's these are the kind of matches that have people tuning into the European Cup that have the television companies paying billions of pounds to see the big names the big stars going toe to toe for the biggest prizes so you know yeah I, I remember when the draw was made there was a few people few people's heads falling off and flapping going oh it could be a lot easier blah blah but like James said, I've had enough of seasons when we're, when we're like Oliver looking through the window going, please, sir, can you, can you let me in? It, Is that the movie that you got the spoon from? It could well <laughs> the straw, be. Sorry, the straw. Possibly. Um, the, 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 you know, these, these are the fixtures that define Liverpool as a club and make you want to be a football supporter. So, yeah, I, 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 I think it's a fantastic tie for us. It won't be easy because Paris, Paris have got quality all over the pitch. They've spent untold money and there's huge expectation on them. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's a harder game for them than it is for us. And just how important is it that if even if the result necessarily isn't the right one, I sound like Doyle here with all negative on being... You naysayer. I actually think Liverpool win. We'll come up with predictions in a bit. Um, but... You know, no matter how the result is, just that the performance again is is one of you know tempo and intensity and just carrying on where they left off against Tottenham. How important is it? Massively important, yeah. And I think you know the the, the big thing is that Liverpool have kicked off that massive run of games with seven in the space of three weeks on, on a high. Um, you know, yeah, there's a very quick turnaround, and and I think certainly. Beating Tottenham would have taken more out of Liverpool than than PSG's warm up game. I think they had an, they have an extra day. Did they play Friday night? night? Yeah, five, five nil to Saint Etienne was it? Four nil, I think it finished. Four, yeah. um, and Mbappe was suspended, so he's had a rest right. since the international break. Right? Did Neymar play? Neymar played. He did play, did he? Yeah. No, 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 no. no I'm, I'm lying. No, he was rested as well. Yeah. Right. Sorry, listeners, I'm lying. Gonna, yeah, which Cavani played. Cavani played. played. Yeah. it was pretty much a full strength team apart from Neymar and Mbappe. Yeah, really. I mean that 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 can work, but you know either way, can't it? Because you know it's. You could say that you know some of their star men would be more more rested, but you know you don't you don't feel tiredness when you when you're preparing for a game like this. You can guarantee at, at Melwood today there'll be there'll be no one moaning about any aches or pains from from Wembley because 
you know, as a professional, these are the games you absolutely crave to, to be involved in. Um, and you know, Klopp's got some big, big decisions to make selection wise, but yeah, it's, it's just going to be, uh, you know, I, I just, I just can't wait for it. You know, hoping to get across to the UEFA youth league game in the afternoon first, and then, and then dash to Anfield for it because, you know, two teams intent on playing uh, attacking football, but you know, so much firepower, on you know for for both teams to have to handle you know it's not I don't think it's going to be a particularly pleasant night for defenders on either team I can't see either team going remotely close to keeping a clean sheet um, and like you said because it's not you know you, sometimes when the stakes are massively high you know you you kind of have that fear of 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 what's at stake but you don't I don't you know you don't have that in the first group game um, you know it's yes it would be amazing to get off to a triumphant start but. You know, if if Liverpool don't win the game, it's not. You know, everything everything is still repairable at this stage. So, um, yeah, I think Liverpool will play at a, a, a decent tempo and intensity from the off because they'll be feeding off the energy from the stands. And as as Dan said before, the um, you know, the the atmosphere is just absolutely transformed on on European nights. And you know, I think. Uh, you know Neymar, I think for one, will be in for a hot reception after what he said the other week, and all of that just whets the appetite for what's in store. And you know, looking even further forward, there, let's say Liverpool do manage to be PSG, and you know we're not going to take anybody for granted. But you know, Southampton at home, then Liverpool could be looking at uh, you know seven straight victories to begin the season, and then there's the Capital One Cup, sort of Capital One Cup. The Carabao uh, Cup, Rumble, yeah. the Milk Cup. <laughs> um, there's the League Cup um, against Chelsea. You know who knows what that will be. That 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 almost is a scratch game because of. Mm. I imagine both sides will be heavily changed. But you know Liverpool could be heading into heading into Stamford Bridge with you know again half a foot in the Champions League group state um, last sixteen. But, but you know with six wins out of six in the Premier League, so you know it's a very exciting time to be a Liverpool fan. It is. And, you know, I, I think anybody that kind of can't really buy into this really kind of like has to, has to ask themselves, well, why even be involved in football? Why even be interested in football? Um, it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a stiff test for Liverpool. And it, yeah, I think one of the most interesting, interesting things about tomorrow night, like I said before, is that we've all been saying all season, we've now finally got the squad, the depth look at the bench, but he's not really used it yet. It, does he kind of say to most of them, go again tomorrow and then we'll start to mix it up for Southampton? Or does he mix it up a little bit tomorrow? I, I think Southampton's the game when we will start to see a couple more changes. And interesting, I've, just, I've always been a bit funny with dates, that 2013-14 season, I'm pretty sure it's virtually the equivalent weekend in September when Liverpool had had another fine start and Southampton came to Wanfield and won with a head of Dejan Lovren, of all people. Mm-hmm. So... You know, Liverpool cannot take Southampton for granted. Mark Hughes, former Man United player, of course, useless as the cop always used to decry him as, will be will be very much up for kind of trying to throw a spoke in the works. But Liverpool have got nothing to fear from anyone. They, but they can only, only take one step at a time. Concentrate on Paris this week, and then I think everything will look after itself by the time we get to the weekend in Southampton. Very quickly, very very quickly. Uh... Team predictions and a score prediction first for you, James. Are we all going to say again, normal back five, normal front three? Well, yeah, obviously, the, yeah, with the oh, question yeah, mark against yeah. Firmino. Um, and Sturridge will come in. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'd have to start Sturridge if. if Would Firmino you not show Shakiri in as a false nine? Perhaps no, 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 no. I think I think you need 
you need to move Salah. Salah, not Salah up front. Shakiri out wide. No, no, I'd no, personally. Um, I'm trying to get the line out here, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> You're twirling me anyway. The, uh, and then yeah, mid midfield. I think is that I think I think a lot will rest on how Klopp thinks the three from the weekend have, have come up physically with the quick turnaround. I think he probably will find room for Henderson, but the massive dilemma is who, who, who to leave who to leave out because I think. Kaita, as I said earlier, I thought was probably the less impressive of the three because I thought Milner was was magnificent again. Um, but you know, in a game like this, I actually think Kaita, you know, could have a, a really big part to play because I think he he does give you that extra something going forward for midfield. Um, yeah, it's that, I think I think the midfield really is is, is the only. The, I, I would like to see Kaiser because you kind of think he's 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 been simmering so far without ever really mm. kind of like coming to the boil, and it could just be that kind of you know a big Champions League game under floodlights against French opposition, that kind of dynamism that he's hinted at without really kind of exploding into it could be made to measure for him. I mean, I. I would possibly have had James Milner as my as my man of the match on Saturday, so I'd find it very reluctant to take him out. But it's a long, long season. If we want to get the absolute best out of Jimmy Milner, then we've got to kind of manage him carefully. So it's um, this is why Jurgen Klopp paid the big bucks, um, and I don't envy him his decision. But you know, I think whatever I think we have to just accept the fact that whatever decision he comes to, Liverpool have a quality squad now, and whichever team he puts out there will be more than capable of taking the game to Paris and hopefully getting the, the result that we all want. I think i go same again with the midfield. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if... I'd be inclined to, yeah. If Henderson comes in for Cater. That would be my call. And I wouldn't mind... It'd be very harsh on Daniel Sturridge, but I would be interested in Shaqiri right-hand side, Salah up front. But just to throw them off the centre a little bit, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Score predictions... 3-2 Liverpool. Ooh. I'm going to go for a repeat of the last European game at Anfield. 5-2 Liverpool. That's just for ludicrous, isn't it? <laughs> is it, really? It's well, we'll see on Wednesday morning, look, won't look, we? Look, this, this, is, this is the man who tipped Mane for, uh, to be top goal scorer. Yeah, which and, you and, jumped and, all over. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and we'll have a few drinks when that happens uh, with my £800. Um, I reckon Liverpool win 2-0. I think they'll keep clean a clean sheet, sheet yeah. as well. Clean sheet? I think they'll keep a clean sheet. Oh, have they got up front? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Powder puff up top Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely froze a lot of them. <laughs> Only messing. They're very good players. Uh, okay. Thank you very much for listening today. There's a big sign in front of me. This sign is going to be part of the show quite a lot. It says, review, rate, and subscribe to the show. And only nice comments, please, or Michael Pearson will cry. He's in the corner there, and he's already started weeping. So <laughs> be nice to him, please. Yeah, Come please on. be nice. No one wants to see Michael cry. But yeah, if you want to go on, the, if you you know subscribe to the Blood Red podcast, you know, please give us a review if you like what we say. Even if you don't, just lie. Say that's really good. <laughs> Five stars only, please. Five time European Cup winners. We will see you later in the week when hopefully Liverpool have got their Champions League journey off to a magnificent start. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the game. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.